Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Hi there, I'm Kelly Shoup, and on today's show, we are talking about a very tricky subject, and that is the effects of lockdown from COVID and all the different things that we're seeing in regard to our kids in this kind of post-COVID, post-lockdown time. And because I'm me, I'm going to start with telling you the three things that I see in regard to how parents deal with all of it. And that is the first thing that they do is usually there's some who are going to deny it and kind of blow it off and have their head in the sand. Like, oh, whatever, we're through that, we're done, we're moving on, we don't even need to deal with any of that. Then there's another group of parents that have a very, um, it brings up a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and these parents can, they're kind of prone to going into kind of a negative downward spiral. Like, okay, great. Now the teacher's telling me this is something my child can't do. That means they're not going to get into this college, the one that dad and I both went to, and it's so important to us. Um, great. Now he his motor skills, his physical motor skills are not as good as his older brother. And we're a family who does soccer. And so he might not make the soccer team because of all the time that we spent on lockdown and we weren't able to be outside playing soccer. So this this type of parent kind of brings this heaviness and this tension and this energy that is very transferable to the child to also be in a fear anxiety place. And this is not a good a good place for a young child to be. Because even if a parent is telling the child, it's no big deal, we're safe, it's all good, again, a parent's energy and their stress and their emotion transfers, In even if they're trying not to, it does. So a kid is picking up and thinking, okay, mom's telling me not to be stressed, but she is clearly stressed. So I need to be on high alert. So for young kids who have so many different things going on inside their physical body in regard to growing and changing and developing, all of a sudden they're thinking, okay, I got to be on high alert. We are not safe. So I got to be, I got to be ready to do something. And so their, their body is being exhausted and taxed more because they are in this state of mom's not safe and 
So that means we're not safe. I need to be prepared for whatever that means. And that can be a tough, tough spot to be. The third type of parent that I deal with and the one that we are going to operate from in our time together today is just the kind of open, healthy reality of what we're dealing with and the proactive parent. And so this is where I have basically been throughout all of it in this space is continuing to see kids, um, continuing to help parents. Obviously, it could be online. It could be on the phone. I was seeing kids in my yard. I was seeing kids in the park um, and just adjusting. And what I say in my world all the time is flexing. We had to flex. Everybody had to flex because everything was so different. And if you are new to me, if you have just found me and you have landed here, I'm Kelly Shoup. I'm so glad you are here. I am long-term parent coach, pediatric occupational therapist, and mom of three. And I live in Dallas, Texas. I live right in the heart of the big old city of Dallas, Dallas proper. So my lens is inside lots of different kids, schools. And so that gives me kind of a broader perspective. Obviously, if I lived in a small town in Texas where there was one school and did what I do, my lens would have, you know, from the perspective of one school. But because I'm in Dallas, because I have three kids, who were at three different schools. Um, my son was at a boys' school, middle one at an all-girls school. My third one, I actually pulled her from the all-girls school during COVID, and she's now at a co-ed school. So lots of experience there, just all these different schools dealing with it from my own kids. But then the parents and families that I help and the environments that they are in. So I see kids who are in private schools here in Dallas. I see kids and work with families who are in the public schools of Dallas. I work with families and kids who have their kids at church preschools, Christian schools, Catholic schools, homeschooled. So again, I have a wide lens from how all of these different places addressed this um, circumstance, which was new and different to all of us. And so I'm in constant contact with teachers and learning specialists, administrators, how rules are changing, what they're seeing from the teacher end of it. I'm engaged in occupational therapy, what nationally the Occupational Therapy Association is saying about what they're seeing across the nation in, in this area. So I just want to share it with you because it impacts your kids and um, it matters how we go forward. And I want to help you and support you and give your kids, your families, and you as the parent tools and the best way to move forward in a, the best optimal success for your child. Um, I want to be clear in saying that I, everything we're going to talk about today, 
I'm not concerned with if a child contracted the coronavirus. So if they had the virus itself or didn't have it, doesn't impact the areas that I'm going to talk about. I'm specifically talking about how their development and growth, their um, connection with peers, all of that is the realm that we're going to talk about today. So I'm not giving you medical data on how many kids had coronavirus, how many days they were sick, none of that. I'm coming at it again through my coaching pediatric occupational therapy lens. Okay, because I'm me, I address things and I operate from a spiritual realm first. And so this is helpful because before we really discuss some of this stuff, I want you parents right now to just like take a deep breath. Take a big deep breath in and let it out. And just know that you are in this exact moment. You went through all of the lockdown, COVID, masks, craziness, and God knew all of it. He was here for all of it. God created you, put you right here at this moment. And if he didn't want you here at this moment, we would not be drawing another breath in our lungs. That is how available and engaged and involved he is in all of our lives, every single bit of it, every breath of it. So I hope that gives you comfort because it does me. And so again, I'm just going to invite God into all of this, like these problems, these struggles, these challenges now, and the challenges and struggles I had in my own home as I was going through all of it. What, what am I supposed to be learning? How can I show up better? What do I need to do to move forward in the best way for myself, my family, and my kids? First area that has shown deficits. And again, these are all, <laughs> these are all going to be deficits except one area, and that's going to be an in increase. But the first area that there is a deficit is in academic skills. This is across, again, all of the different types of schools that I'm in. They are all saying, you know, academically, our kids are not where they needed to be. And you're probably thinking, well, duh, I, I know there are some, you know, of course, we were learning on Zoom and that wasn't effective and to have a preschooler on Zoom is, I thought, incredibly ineffective. So yes, there are academic deficiencies. They are across the board. If you are stressed because you have multiple children and your sixth grader is unable to do math and you're seeing things like, can't read like the other one who's three years older could, that's fair and that's real and that's across the board. So just know that your sixth grader, their peers also have academic deficits. And so again, we're this is what it is. And so you shouldn't be stressed because your sixth grader's in good company with all the other kids who are just like them. But I do want to um, invite you to um, 
put in the chat if you are interested in learning more about this and learning specific practical ways that you can increase all these areas of deficit this summer, like right now, I, this is what I'm doing currently with lots of kids is I am reworking some of the things that um, happened. I'm seeing a little boy who's headed to second grade and we're working on a lot of gross motor skills and fine motor skills. He basically taught himself handwriting because he was home on lockdown during all of that time. And he has some very interesting ways of forming letters that are unclear and unreadable. And so we're we're working out of that to get him back in the proper way to use his fine motor skills to form letters in a way that is readable to his teacher. So again, just I am so currently working because I'm in these deficits right now. And I think we will be for a long time. So those academic skills are low. We also know that there is such a huge body brain connection. And so kids that are moving, kids that are active, kids that are engaged um, emotionally, they're doing something fun, interesting, they're with their friends, that helps their academics. And so this was an area, again, that there was no other support for purely that brain, that math ability. It needs lots of other things to help it flourish and have the optimal learning. And those things were missing. And it's evident. The next area is social emotional skills. And this is so... um, And the young kids of three to eight, which is, you know, a lot of where I spend a lot of time with families, this was huge for them because this is a huge time of when they are learning about social cues, facial expressions, eye contact, how to connect with other people besides their parents and learning all about that. And so for kids who were masked and their teacher had a mask on and they were supposed to figure out what um, their friend's expression was, what their friends, you know, was trying to communicate to them. It was very confusing. And so, um, you know, I work and incorporate in now a lot of body language education. What do you think, if if I'm doing this on my face, what do you think I'm trying to tell you? Because a lot of kids do not have this. They are way behind in what they should understand about kind of nonverbal body language, our face, what it's saying, what our expression's doing, what all of that means in the context of their day. And With the masks, with the plastic, you know, kind of like face guards, with the um, inability for kids, even when they were back in school, to not be able to walk up to their teacher's desk, to walk between classes or, um, you know, into school. They could not use their lockers. There was 
you know, five or six feet supposed to be between students, such a disconnect. I mean, it's like the one word when somebody says, oh my gosh, how did you guys do during COVID? I'm like, disconnect, all levels. Like you cannot have a personal connection when you're talking to a teacher behind a shield of glass between, and then she's got a shield of plastic and then a mask like that. It just, there are so many barriers because of that. And so, um, Again, I'm kind of on overdrive in trying to bring up, talk about the social emotional skills of, okay, what is this expression saying? There is an increase of behaviors, unwanted behaviors in school and also at home because of this lack of connection and also this lack of ability to maybe meet the standard, the academic standard that is expected. And so we're seeing so much increased frustration, increased behavior, increased outbursts, inability to manage anger, just off the charts of ways that kids are not equipped to deal with not being able to do the academic piece not having a physical outlet for it, and then not having the social, emotional knowledge and wherewithal of how to deal with the feelings of all of it in a healthy, appropriate way. Okay. The other thing that has been, this is not a decrease, this is the one increase, is just the increase in mental health issues again, off the charts. In one regard, I feel like it was necessary because now it's a topic that can openly be talked about, but it's, you know, parents at home who are stressed or depressed because they are trying to work a full-time job, trying to also be a full-time parent. Oh, and now they're a full-time teacher to their three kids who are at home. And so we've just seen so much increase in mental health concerns. And that, of course, if it is happening in your family, if it is happening with your parent, that you as a parent, that has a direct impact on, on your kids and the peace and harmony of your family and the stability and kind of consistency that used to be there, that there has been a change in. And so again, I'm so interested to know from you parents, I want to hear feedback. Is this something you want more support on? This is something that I can very easily give you practical, physical, you know, tactile activities that you do with your kids to help kind of offset a bunch of the deficits. And this is easy for me. I'm in it every day. So I want to give you support and help. Um, But I would like like for you to let me know. So please let me know in, in the chat. Okay. The other area that we have seen huge deficits is in the physical skills, the gross motor skills the posture of kids, the stamina of kids that are back in school now, their endurance with 
big gross motor, um, their trunk, their hamstring muscles, their back muscles, their ability to sit and tolerate, you know, um, learning that, um, I felt like a lot of kids became very, um, weak and, you know, they were on zoom in their bed and it really, there was a deep, a decrease in energy and kind of vibrancy in most of the kids that, that I dealt with. And also in my own kids, it was such a, um, just stressful in the exhaustion from being on Zoom and the ineffectiveness I thought of learning and also um, the stress that was visibly seen on the screen of these teachers who some of them, you know, were trying to teach in the classroom, but then also keep track of kids um, on the screen and just very, um, again, just debilitating in our physical physical bodies. And so gross motor is one area that in regard to posture, I, I see a lot of kids who I call them perchers. They kind of perch, they, they kind of, they're sitting up in their chair, they've got their feet in their chair, they're slumped in their chair. And this is visibly different than what it was before, before COVID, before lockdown, I felt like kids had more strength and ability to sit up and tolerate learning and in their classroom, whatever is expected of them. So a decrease in gross motor skills, also a decrease in fine motor skills. We were on a trajectory headed down anyway. Before this happened, because of screens, because of the ease and access of kids to, you know, engage with the technology and devices, we had already been going down as far as kids' motor ability and their ability to cut, their ability to hold a pencil and to sit up with appropriate core strength in a chair, in posture, with a, their back straight that um, is inducive for good learning. We were already headed down that before COVID and now it's even worse. And so fine motor skills are worse than ever before. You have kids who were home for a year and really did not progress at all, did not learn anything. And so this boy I'm giving you an example of, you know, he did learn, he just learned incorrectly. And so this past year, he has been in school, but teachers were not focused on handwriting. And it's interesting because I interact with a lot of these teachers in regard to these kids with families. And a lot of the teachers kind of don't acknowledge that there is such significant deficits. But what occurs is a parent will come to me and say, okay, what is the deal? Like all of a sudden my daughter, they don't want to send her from kindergarten to first grade. They want her to go to primer. And there's never been a big primer class. And all of a sudden this year, there's going to be 30 of them. And so um, 
again, I, I think I appreciate schools and teachers who can be transparent and let me know this is, this is why we have kids who did not learn handwriting at home. These were kids who did not learn how to read. We are seeing, you know, problems with phonics. So we have got to stay right here and get all our kids up to speed. And if that means first grade looks different or whatever, you know, we're, we're dealing with it. But um, I want teachers to be transparent and be on my team with, with the kids and the families that I help instead of acting like that didn't happen and we're business as usual, headed on to, you know, first grade or second grade, because I really don't, don't think that is helpful to parents because that is not the reality of the situation. So anyway, sensory skills, gross motor skills, lots of social, emotional, developmental skills, academic skills have all decreased from the impact of COVID and lockdown and all the different ways that we had to learn. Huge increase in mental health issues for young kids, for middle school kids. Um, you know, I had um, kids in middle school um, who were continued to wear the mask even when it wasn't necessary, needed, required, because they had learned to hide behind that. And so in those middle school years, developmentally, with peers and socially, so such hard years for kids. But kids learned, I can hide behind this mask. I don't have to show up. Nobody has to see me. I might have a zit on my face and I'm better in a mask. I can kind of disappear into the halls, into the classroom at school. And again, it's a disconnected way that isn't healthy. It's not, it's not helpful. It's harmful. Like we are meant to be in community with each other, connected in all the ways of our senses. And so it's just so incredibly difficult. And again, you know, I watched various deficits in my kids. And I also, because I'm me and a therapist, I was also trying to be proactive. So I had lots of fidgety um, sensory toys because I was watching um, the sensory systems of these kids. And so this is where, again, another deficit in the physical um, world for kids is their sensory systems. They had to figure out new rules and new ways to regulate their sensory system because the ways that they had done it before that were successful were suddenly not available at all. And so I had all these little sensory fidgety things around for my son who, um, you know, as a male, he's physical, he, that releases his stress. He plays sports, that interaction, that competition is such a good mental health thing for him. All of that was gone. And so he started to, I had um, a bowl of sensory toys. And one of them was a little um, rubber stress ball. It was probably about the size of this, you know, little tennis ball. Anyway, Will started to bounce that ball off all of the walls of my house. 
he turned the door frames or the, you know, the wooden frames in between my halls, those became like um, a gymnastics pull-up bar. And it was interesting for me to watch. Again, it, I don't think he knew he was doing it. He was trying to manage, trying to balance his nervous system and feel okay in his body in ways that he couldn't normally do it. Normally he would go grab a basketball and him and his buddies would play basketball all through lunch. And then he'd go to soccer practice after school. And so it was so, I mean, I was kind of entertained by it, but he had this one ball that he would bounce off my walls, off the cupboard. And he would also bounce it right off the place on the wall that was right above our flat screen TV. Now I used to be nervous, like, please don't do that. Or I had glass, you know, things that were, um, not expensive, but, um, meant something to me. And so he would bounce the ball like right next to that. And I would cringe and I'd be like, "Ah!" and I also know developmentally for boys, teenagers that he was, they need risk. So that is a part of healthy development is a little bit of risk. And he was risking trouble from me to, you know, get that feedback. Like he needed his system, his body, his brain, all of it needed to do something risky because that was age and stage and developmentally appropriate at that time. And remember, I'm always working in flow with how God created and designed humans to be. So I knew all of these ages and stages, and it was so incredibly interesting how each of my kids was dealing with it. And so we're still dealing with it. It's obviously different places that all of you are. Some of you still have some regulations and things. Um, Texas is pretty wide open, and I'm so incredibly thankful for that. But I really, um, I understand all of the areas that have been identified as deficits in your kids. And so I am here to support you, to give you tools and tips and ways we can help them to combat the deficits. Um, And I'm happy to do that. If this was something that you liked hearing about, again, let me know. You can like, subscribe, hit the whatever, all the buttons, bells, whatever. Um, Let me know that. I have coaching packages available on my website, www.kellykshoop.com, where you can find more information about me. I also have a monthly membership where... Parents pay $49 a month. There's no commitment for any following months. But what that gives you access to is me in a group weekly coaching call. There's also numerous resources on um, the online portal that are helpful in regard to power struggles, parents who face overwhelm, um, I go through a game and tell you the the skills, the name of the game, why you would play it. These are, you know, Amazon $10 or $15 games that I want parents to understand are fun, a fun way for your kids to build skills 
And we just talked about today, all of the skills are, are decreased. So I want to support you parents and give you lots of ways you can be building skills. Why do you need skills? Why does your kid need skills? You need skills for every single activity and thing you do in your life. And the skills that you build back in three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, we build upon those. So skills that parents do that our bodies normally do, we stand up, we're stirring a pot in the kitchen, we're chewing gum, all of these things, they require our body to know a skill, to know how to do something that we've learned and then it's integrated in our body and how we function in our day. But with depleted skills, we need ways to get them back so we can grow and build on the next skill for these kids to have the best, healthiest growth and development. So www.kellykshoop.com. You can find me for my membership and also for coaching. Thank you. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoup.com. Again, that's kellykshoup.com. Thanks so much.